As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, the Athletics podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. Joined today by the Athletics Aston Villa correspondent, it's Greg Evans. At this time of year, golfing Greg Evans back on the podcast. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Dan. Yeah, very nice and refreshed after a week off. I uh, I missed the small matter of the Liverpool game and returned for the real big one against Palace. So, yeah, I'm feeling good, mate. At least you saw a point. That, that, that's a plus. And thanks to Ali Kay again for joining us last week. It, it was good to chat through someone to look at Villa from a bit of a neutral perspective last week, and he came up with some interesting points. Don't forget, before we get into the podcast, that you can subscribe to The Athletic for just a pound a month for the first six months. Just go to theathletic.com slash villapod. You'll get full access to all our great writing and ad-free versions of all The Athletic's podcasts. That's theathletic.com slash villapod. Sign up now. Greg, before we get into the Palace game, you've been busy writing about Philip Coutinho signing his permanent Aston Villa contract. Remember when we signed him on loan in January, we talked about all the potential sums that would be taking place if he did sign permanently. But Villa seemed to rip that up and get it half the price. Bargain deal by the looks of it, isn't it? And uh, a a good deal to to go through while I was on my uh, hard-earned week off. Um, Tried to switch off a little bit, but when Philip Coutinho signs for the team that you cover, it's... Uh, you've always got to put a little bit of work in around the edges. So, yeah, look, I tried to find out exactly why the deal was was a cut price one. Um, you know, I think it was a mixture really of some hard negotiating from Villa. Um, it was regularly laid back to me that, uh, you know, in the months prior to him signing, that Villa wouldn't do this deal unless they could get the figures right down. Um but also combined with that is was you know was Barca's desperation really to move him on, um, you know I said this at the time when he signed, he was touted around to pretty much any club who wanted to sign him, um, and that brought with it its own difficulties because Coutinho is very ambitious and wanted to move somewhere with um, you know the right sporting project. He, he spoke to Stephen Gerrard at length about Villa and the ambition that, that they hold and, and, and where they want to go in the future. 
um, and that really appealed to him. And, and I think I think he's enjoyed it at Villa. So for him, he was he was pleased to get it done. Um, and, and Villa eventually got him for seventeen million pound, which was half the price of the thirty three million pound they they initially agreed with with Barcelona for. Do you think when Villa agreed that optional fee of thirty-three million when when they got him on loan, they just never had any intention of paying that? I, I honestly don't know. You know that that that, that level of um, of detail uh, from the conversations that I had. Uh, Villa wanted to have a look at Coutinho first, uh, see where he was at. I think if he did come in and lit it up and played exceptionally well in it, in every single game, thirty-three million pound probably would have still been seen as a good deal. And and look, you know the, the two clubs didn't agree that fee. Just for no reason that you know that there was a, there was a, a determination from Villa to get the deal into a permanent one. Once the early months of the se- uh, the early months of Coutinho's time at the club were you know were, were fully into swing because he offers a little bit more than than just his his playing ability. And I think we can both agree, Dan, that he's been a little bit up and down, hasn't he, in in his time at Villa so far? Yeah, I don't think he's had a goal or an assist for the last eight games. Because I said to you before we came on, and you t- you told me off. I kind of wish this deal had been done when he'd been on, on good form because he, he realistically, you know, he hasn't played well for a few weeks. Yeah, I mean, he he, he just does this tendency to to go very quiet in games, and, and you don't see him too often. And I think the expectation on him is because he's Philip Coutinho. Um, supporters think he's going to be brilliant every week, and, and he's going to light it up every week. Um, sh- you know, he should be scoring, should be assisting every week. That it's just not the case really for for players these days. And um, and and if if Coutinho was that player, um, sorry to say this, but he, he wouldn't be signing for Villa and he, and he wouldn't be signing for £17 million. But there's a lot more to it. You know, Gerard still believes that he's in his prime. He, he He's you know, very, very good around the training ground. Um, often the first in, the last out, works really hard, brings this winning mentality with him. You know, he's won things at Barcelona, um, Bayern Munich. And... I think he's quite a quiet lad, really. He's quite, you know, he's very humble. Humble. Yeah, you, you wouldn't know that he was formerly a, a, a one hundred and eight million pound player, and you know, one of the best players in the world at that point. He just goes about his business very quietly. Um, players seem to like him. Gerard's one thing that he wanted a little bit more from him was just a bit more input. Um, you know, in and around team meetings and things like that, he, he was very quiet. Um, but now he's a permanent player. I think he's going to start to feel a little bit more. Um, of a permanent fixture around the place, a little bit part, you know, a little bit more of a part of the team, and he, and he should come out of his shell a little bit more now. Greg, obviously you, you wrote about this deal. You talk about a fifty percent clause in the deal and a fifty percent sell-on clause has been has been mentioned elsewhere as well. Can you just explain to people a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you you don't really see that in in transfer deals too often, and 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 especially such a high value. So Villa signed Coutinho on a on a four year deal. That means he'll be 33 when his deal expires um, I think he could still hold his value for the next couple of years for sure and and, and if he has like if he, for example if he has a blistering season next year um, and there are other clubs interested in him Barcelona potentially could still end up you know, get, getting a fair bit of money back for him from that deal, but I think it's just some, you know, it's, it's a smoothener, isn't it? To, to like an extra incentive for Barca to get the deal done at that yeah, cheaper price. Yeah, I think so, and and you know that they they just hold, um, you know, he could hold a little bit of value in the years to come. So if he does move on, Barcelona can still get a bit more money. But let's not forget, Barcelona were really really keen to get this deal done. They wanted the money that Villa are paying them, the twenty million euros, seventeen million pound, um, into their accounts. Uh, which are filed on June the 30th, I think. And then obviously the transfer window opens on June the 10th, so Villa were able to get the deal done. 
I assume they wanted his wages off the off the already astronomical wage bill at, at the new camp as well. He's taken a pretty big pay hit to come to Villa, hasn't he, Greg? Yeah, I mean that was the initial plan really to get him off the wage bill um, when when he moved out on loan. That was why they were so desperate to move him on at that point because he was earning four hundred eighty thousand pound a week, which is you know incredible sums even for Barcelona. Uh, Barcelona wanted a rebuild. You know, you've seen the players that they brought in: Adama Traore on loan, Patrick um, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, Ferran Torres. Was, uh, Torres was the big one, of course, coming from Manchester City. So he was like the light for light swap. Torres, a little bit younger than than Coutinho, on slightly less money, um, and and somebody with you know potential to grow and, and help the club get get back to where they wanted to be because they've they've had a really disappointing season. Um, but yeah, moving on some of those big earners uh, and, and re, sort of restructuring some of the contracts at the club. We, we've seen other players um, sign extensions on on lower paid deals. Um, that was all key for Barcelona. And yeah, but yeah, moving Philip Coutinho on was the big one. It's worth saying again, this probably doesn't happen if Steven Gerrard's not Aston Villa manager even now. Hundred percent. Look, I mean. Villa have to be so grateful and thankful for Nassif Suiris, Wes Edens and Christian Perslow, the, the, the money that they've pumped into the club. Um, Perslow's done a great job with the day-to-day running of the club and he's negotiating. Um, but this deal, as you say, Dan, doesn't happen without Gerard. You know, Coutinho wanted to move somewhere where he felt the club was on the up and Gerard sold that to him and, and obviously the link with Liverpool, they were previously teammates there. That helped massively and Gerard was just constantly in his ear during December and, and January and he helped get the deal done. Question for you that you might not know the answer to. Would Gerard carry a little bit more weight at Villa in terms of getting what he wants than, than Dean Smith did? It's a good question. Um, I think to, to flip... You're trying to, to answer this diplomatically. To flip it ever so slightly, what I would say is that Gerard will... And this is no disrespect to Dean Smith because he brought so many qualities with him as well. Um, Gerard will have a little bit more of a pull in attracting bigger name players, I think. Um, so one of the reasons that Gerard was hired as manager was because of that pull. Um, and therefore that gives him a little bit more freedom, I would say, to suggest some of the players um, that they want to sign. But look, it is still very much... a what you you know what what you call a triangle of power, um, Gerard and 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 sporting director, Johan Lang, reporting into Christian Persler, um, and then the three of them then deciding on where they go with Wes Edens and Nassif Suarez's money. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, you know, you, you've seen the three of them at games. They were at Marseille recently, watching a couple of players there. That they they travel to other games. They do lots of scouting. Um, discussions and meetings together. Um, so yeah, look, a manager needs to have his own players. Of course, he needs to he needs to be able to feel comfortable with the team that he's working with every week, the squad that he's working with, the team that he's selecting. And and it was the same with 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 Dean Smith. You know, he there were players that he pushed harder for, um, and and were able to get. I mean, you, you know, you look back at the Ollie Watkins coming in, Esri Konza. Um, and then some of the other players who have came in, yeah, Morgan Sanson, for example. Uh, I'm just thinking out loud. Uh, Wesley and, and and Trezeguet would have been from the sporting director and their contacts and their recommendations first and foremost. But altogether, they agree on on the players who are coming in. So 
it will never be a case of Stephen Gerrard wants this player, Johan Langer isn't interested, so they, Villa don't get the deal done. There will have to be a collective agreement at some point for the players that come in through the door. One thing I'm quite excited about is that I think you'll see a different Coutinho, a more consistent Coutinho, a fitter Coutinho after the summer when he's had a proper pre-season under Gerrard. I think that's the, probably it's a great time for Gerrard anyway pre-season because I think he'll really get to drill in his, his ideas into the Villa players anyway. But I really think that'll, that'll benefit Coutinho. I did a, a Rangers podcast yesterday on The Athletic and the Rangers writer, Jordan, he, he talked about how... Gerard's management style was all about the system, dr- drilling the system. The system was king. I think Villa have really got to grips with with what Gerard wants so far this season in system wise. So I think in pre season getting to drill everything in one go, and having Coutinho get that full pre season because he's needed that kind of thing over the last few years. He hasn't really had it with injuries and Barca being a mess. I think that will help. I think it will help, but can I be rude and disagree with you? You know, I disagree with me, Greg. You do all the time. <laughs> I just think I think it's a, a little bit of an excuse to say, well, a player's been on board for five months um, and we're now saying he needs a, a pre-season to, to really, to really sh- show how good he can be. I think he should be doing it now if he's good enough. Um, and I get your point on the system. It's the fitness more than anything. You don't get properly fit unless you have a proper pre-season, in my opinion. I mean, look, look. I, I've never played professional football, so I, I don't know. You were giving it the big one as a plan at the, the Hawthorne the, the real, <laughs> I don't know the real ins and outs of it, but I'd say if you speak to most professionals, they'd say five months is enough time to get really fit. I do get it, but, but, but pre-season's where all the, all the big work is done. And he hasn't had that kind of thing the last few years because of being a, a mess of a club. I think... Collectively, it it will help Villa, but yeah, definitely. I think Villa have had you know Villa have had breaks where they've tried to work and drill on the system, and 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 it's gone against them. Don't um, pop my bu- bubble, Greg. I think the, the, look, the summer will be good. The summer will be good for them. The summer will be good for them. There's no World Cup, you know. There's no Euros. You've got the Nations League, but that finishes at the end of June, and and, and then you have got some time in July. Villa will go over to Australia, do the commercial stuff over there, but then they'll also have lots of time to work out what they really want to do and, and hopefully get some players in quickly. Um, you know, we know that Villa need a proper tried and trusted defensive midfielder to come in and fit into Gerard's system because that's what that's what helped and worked so well for him at Rangers in the end. And Steven Gerrard's a relatively new manager and, and we can only go back we can only look at what he's done previously. And at Rangers the num- that that deep line sort of holding midfielder worked really well when they won the title. So that's what he wants at Villa. And let's see what what the Villa team looks like when he can get that. With Coutinho, he's got to start developing a, a stronger relationship with with Luca Dean. Um, feels like the chemistry's building, but it's just not quite there yet. They're both seeming to want to do slightly different things. Um, you know, Dean makes so many positive overlapping runs and Coutinho likes to cut inside a little bit so it kind of feels like they're not quite on the same wavelength at the moment um, I wrote a big piece on, on Luca Dean this morning um, so so for those of you listening who haven't read that go and read that and you can just see how well Dean's playing actually and, and how much of a difference he's made um, but there are there are just little key relationships that Villa need to build and work on in, in that team. Coutinho will be at the, the forefront of a lot of it, I think. I agree with you in some ways, Dan. I think that the, the, the pre-season will help him. But to say that 
he needs that pre-season to show how good he is for me is an excuse. I'm glad you've picked up on the Luca Dean thing. I haven't I haven't read that piece yet. Obviously, it's first thing in the morning when, when we're recording, but he was Villa's other big January signing. And I think since he's come back from his injury, and I, I believe he's still actually playing with, with a little bit of an injury, Luca Dean, I think he's been brilliant. So, so good. And I can completely see why Villa wanted to upgrade, upgrade sorry, Matt Target to, to him now because we're starting to see what he's about. He's been involved in a lot of goals recently. Yeah, well, he's been involved in. He's been heavily involved in Villa's last four goals. Um, you know, two direct assists, two, uh, one, another cross of his for the Douglas Louise goal was you know very very much a part of him. And and obviously you remember his his work in in the build up for the for the Ali Watkins goal at, at Burnley. So yeah, he's, he's been heavily involved in the last four goals. Um, Villa Villa are working on passages of play to to get him involved more. Um, and the real tactical analysis is is in the piece so I encourage those to go and read it yep, I'll go and read that as well after we've done this podcast just before we move on to Aston Villa 1 Crystal Palace 1 let's hear what Stephen Gerrard said about Coutinho signing I think it's fantastic for everyone connected to the club you know the most important people obviously the supporters you've seen the reaction it's very positive and um, they've seen him over the last five six months play ever so well um, he's still got loads left in him in our opinion so to have me a full time and settled, I think he'll come again. I think he'll go up another level because um, that feeling of knowing where he's going to be playing his football for the next four years um, will help him settle. And I think he is a player that needs to feel wanted. He needs to feel support. And um, I think everyone at Villa's played the part. Myself, the coaching staff, um, obviously all the support staff. And most importantly, the owners, Christian and Johan, have made them feel really special. And... Um, you know, that's where the decisions come from. He feels really happy here and it's fantastic that he wants to be part of this journey. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So Greg, Aston Villa 1, Crystal Palace 1. The game, a little bit forgettable, if we're honest, but the tribute and the scenes before the game, because it had been 40 years since Aston Villa won the European Cup, Greg. Nice scenes. Yeah, lovely. You know, good good to see the, the 82 team getting the real respect that they deserve um, and, and the applause. They nearly didn't because Stephen Gerrard said that it was nearly the guard of honour was the other way around, which is absolutely bizarre. I mean, look, you know, I'm I'm not for digging people out, but who 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 the hell thought of that? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know the answer, but um, I'm I'm glad it got reversed because that would have been severely embarrassing. So yeah, good 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 on Stephen Gerrard and, and and Villa for for eventually getting that right. But whoever thought that was right in the first place is um, 
uh, a little bit off it, shall we say. But yeah, look, in the end, a, a, a lovely tribute to them, fitting tribute. Um, good to see all you know, so many of them out there on the pitch. Uh, I liked the little uh, trophy, the tifo sort of thing in, in the in front of the in front of the whole end. That was that was a nice touch, and it was a great atmosphere in those five ten five to ten minutes before kickoff. Just a shame it fell so flat in the end because yeah, right, that upset me because I thought. Do you remember? I don't know if you. I think you were covering Villa at this point. I think it was the two thousand and six, two thousand and seven season. Martin O'Neill was the manager. And they did something around the European Cup winning team. They came out before the game, pretty similar to what happened on Sunday. Villa played really well in that game. The atmosphere was unbelievable. After that, they beat Sheffield United three 0 Patrick Berger scored one of one of the great goals at Villa Park that season. But on Sunday, it did fall flat really quickly, yeah. and I can't put my finger on why. Yeah, I mean, it really did fall flat, and the. Uh, the Crystal Palace reporter Matt, who who was sitting next to me, we were about twenty minutes into the game, and and he said to me, "Is it always this quiet?" And I said, um, "I said, well, yeah, to be honest, this season it has been. Yeah, the atmosphere is not good, and I don't know. I thought again, I thought first season back after COVID, it'd be rocking. But I think yeah, if it you, hasn't if, been, I know we haven't been brilliant at times. Yeah, um, it's a difficult one because you know." Compared to many other clubs, Villa have had another good season. You know, okay, they haven't kicked on to as to as high as many supporters and people internally as well would have would have liked. But to be around, you know, the mid table of the Premier League is still still good. And there was I was watching. Sorry, I was listening to another podcast recently, and and there were a lot of pundits talking about the teams between eighth and sort of fourteenth place and who they thought was the most likely to kick on next season. And all of them said Villa. So it's not like Villa are on a downward trajectory. They're moving up. No. And it's a shame, really, that supporters aren't buying into that because if you look across other clubs in the Midlands, at Birmingham, at West Brom, the atmosphere has fallen so, so, so flat there as well. And it, and it is like it's almost like a, a common thing across the board now. When, when clubs are struggling, the atmosphere just turns really, really flat. There was a there was a bump after COVID when when players uh, when fans returned back, but since then it's like uh, you know football's back, but who cares? We're, we're crap again, and it it's kind of feels season like in some ways. But I agree, I agree with it. The atmosphere needs to change. There's I wasn't sat there on on Sunday, but I usually sit in the halt end. It's just like a lot to get going nowadays. I don't feel like that was the case when I was growing up. No, no. I mean. It's, yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Lack of chance as well. There's some good chance. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a couple of nice ones. A couple of ones, you know, the marvelous and the Camber one seems to be seems to be gathering a little bit of pace. You know, Villa fans seem to seem to enjoy seeing that one. Coutinho one. Coutinho slightly unique, isn't it as well? You know, I haven't heard many other clubs using that that um, that tune. So. I think, yeah, if you just look at Liverpool fans, though, they seem to make up a song for every single play and it kicks on. Um, I mean, but, you know, they win every week, don't they? So it's a lot easier. It does help. <laughs> it does certainly help. Um, something needs something needs to be done and worked on. I think collectively Villa need to need to try and up that atmosphere because it can certainly help. It really, it really can help the team. Um, but, uh, but it feels like it's the same across the board. I think one thing, one other thing we haven't really, you know, looked at or analysed deeply is the use of mobile phones. I mean, like if you look, at ev- you can't use it. Ev- Mine doesn't work. Every single person almost <laughs> got no signal. But every single person in the ground almost has a phone now, don't they? And it's you know pe- people are, are are turned off by are turned off from the football by 
using their phones and things like that. I don't know whether that has a big impact in games, but we're, we're relatively new Surely in the not. world of, of mobile phones, aren't we? So. Oh, <laughs> they've been around forever, Greg. Mobile I mean, phones. they've been around for twenty odd years, haven't they? But okay. you know, like in terms of an, uh, in terms of football, did they know? I don't think we can blame it for the atmosphere, though. I know you can do so much on your phone nowadays, but I just, yeah. I just think you know, before when you go to the football, all you ever do, you ever used to do, was watch it. Now you can just mess about on your phone and. But I don't do that. I don't do that on my phone. I don't get my phone out during the game. It's not. It's not. And not... if I try and get it out during a half time to do a tweet, it takes me. 15 minutes to get a tweet out there because of the sh- crap signal. It's like Nottingham Forest last night. I watched the game, Sheffield United, Nottingham Forest, Sheffield United. And okay, the, the scenes were, were horrible at the end where, where the fans poured onto the pitch and, you know, Billy Sharp got headbutted by a support, which was horrendous. But um, I, I remember seeing previous pitch invasions for playoff games and fans were jumping around and singing on the pitch. All I seen was fans holding up bloody phones. Yeah, I've I got to say, I did pick up on All that. I seen I was them up holding up phones. And I'm like, Okay, the chair, the chairman of Nottingham Forest has come out and said before, don't go on the pitch yet. They've all ignored it. So if they're going to ignore it, at least enjoy the moment. Don't just stand there with your mobile phone. Same at music concerts. Small time as well. going on the pitch after winning a semi final, in my opinion. I, oh, I it is. Like anyway. It's majorly I small hate time. It. I hated it when we did it in the playoffs. We did it both. We did it both times. I can't remember when we won semi finals. I can't remember. It's majorly small which way time. Around the legs because were. if you lose, you look like idiots as well. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, and Villa did lose when they after the pitch invasion against Middlesbrough. They went on to lose to Fulham. We've digressed a little bit here. Let, let's get on back onto Villa One, Crystal Palace One, and Coutinho wants to bring European football back. Probably some work to do to, to get there. I thought it was a fair result. I think if Villa had actually lost, I wouldn't have had too many complaints. I thought yeah. Palace probably looked the more composed side, especially on the ball. I didn't think Villa used the ball well at all on Sunday. There is work to do, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, I think there is there is a bit of work to do. Um, still looking at that balance, isn't it? You know, the Canberra didn't have a great game, and feel like if you've got somebody in there who can use the ball a little bit better, um, that that might help Villa. Couple of good chances for Ings as well. One for Watkins at the end. You just feel like if they can start taking some of those chances, and in some games they have, you know, you've seen them be ruthless against Leeds, ruthless against Southampton, ruthless up at Burnley, um, but. They need to do that consistently because they're creating a lot of chances but not taking them. Ings' chances, they're the kind of chances that if he's wearing a Southampton shirt and playing at Villa Park, they fly in the <laughs> yeah. back of the net. But for whatever reason for Villa, it just hasn't happened, it doesn't happen. I really like him. I think I think he's such a good player, Danny Ings. But again, like probably a lot of the side, it's just not quite there. You saw the heavy touch he took against Liverpool as well. These are things that Danny Ings has gobbled up over the years. Yeah, I interviewed him after the Norwich game and, and he was um, he was a bit downbeat. He was glad to get his goal. He got goal and assist, didn't he, that game? And, um, you know, he was pleased to, pleased to contribute. But he kind of admitted, he said, look, you know, my season's been a little bit underwhelming. I feel like I should have scored more goals. I want to contribute more. And, and I think every Villa fan would have agreed, you know, he came in and started the season in, in, in great form, scored that brilliant overhead kick, which, which, won, uh, which won the goal of the year. I still think Callum Chambers' goal was better personally, but yeah, I voted for Chambers. Yeah, right. Okay, we agree on that one. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, look, a brilliant goal and and one that when he scored it, we all thought, oh, he's going to score loads of goals for Villa, isn't he? He's just going to he's going to be a hero already. But missed quite a few chances and probably needs to needs to get going again, you know, next season to show that he's still that real top level player um, and, and can really make a difference. But I think he's I think he's done all right. I think he's got how many goals he's done? He's seven, I think. 
I think he's got. I can't remember which way around it is. It's six assists and seven goals. Yeah, all, so I mean, it's not, it's not a bad contribution. No. I just think you know, having spoken to him, it was clear that he felt he could have done more. Matty Cash very good again. Some telling blocks in the in the second half. Defensively excellent. Probably didn't offer as much going forward as he normally does, but defensively he made some key contributions. Yeah, I think there's a nice balance there. I think Dini was getting forward a lot more often and, and Villa were trying to create more down the left-hand side. Perhaps that restricted Cash or, or maybe it was part of the game plan to keep him a little bit deeper in, in that particular game. Because Zaha. I think so, yeah. you know, We've seen um, we've seen Mings struggle against Zaha in, in previous years. He's a tricky customer, isn't he? I, I, I quite... I quite like him in some ways. I know, I know he gets under... I liked his reaction yeah. to the crowd when he was getting stick. I, I did enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know he gets under people's skin and, and I think he I think he frustrated Gerard by by his reaction um, in his post-match press conference. He, w- he wouldn't go into much detail about Zaha's performance and, and his antics. He, he just kind of said, it, well, it was a sideshow, wasn't it? And, and he didn't perform very well in the day, so, so we'll move on. But I quite like him. I think football needs characters like that and... Uh, somebody sitting close to me in the press box said Zaha's too too good of a player to be um, to be acting. Uh, uh, I, w- I won't use the word because it's a bit foul mouthed, but uh, to be acting that type. You just of swore at me a minute ago. Well, you deserve it, Dan, don't you? That's no, okay. <laughs> um, you're the Wilfred Zaha of podcasts. <laughs> <That's harsh. laughs> um, but no, look, I like him. Think he's a great player, and he, just, and he just gives something a little bit extra. As I say, I liked his reaction when the Villa fans were giving him a bit. It shows good character to give it back. And I think the Villa fans actually appreciated that as well. Do you see McGinn and Vieira having a to-do at the start of the game? Probably very <laughs> early that? doors, five, ten minutes in. They are having a big old row on the touchline. Vieira didn't like the way McGinn went down after a tackle. And they were having some verbals, which I also enjoyed. Old school Patrick Vieira. It was like watching him back on the pitch again for Arsenal. <laughs> Do you know, like, Vieira's like, literally the one of the most one of the nicest people ever. Really? Like every, every dealing I've had with him, every press conference or every post-match interview, he's just been so nice and gentle. You just wouldn't imagine him to have been the type of player that he was. Um, but mate, mate, look, I missed that. and maybe showed a different side to it. I thought, I thought McGinn started the game really well. Um, Palace players were just resorting to tackle, uh, fouling him rather than tackling him. They couldn't get the ball off him. Um, and he just faded out a bit, didn't he? And, Comes under, I think he just comes under a little bit too much criticism from supporters. They seem to get on his back. Do you back think? Because I think he get, I think he gets away with bad games more than the average player Do you think? would. Okay, no, yeah. no. I, I just think he, I think you take him out of the, that midfield, and, and Villa really miss him. I, I agree with that, but I do think sometimes he'll have an anonymous game, and Villa fans don't give him the stick that other midfielders have got previously. Which I, I don't want any player getting stick, by the way. So I'm not, I'm not. I'm not saying if he has a bad game, go and give him pelters. But if he has a game where he underperforms or he's not really involved in the game, I think he doesn't come under criticism that other midfielders have come in in the past. If that makes sense. Mm, interesting. I just always, I always feel like they're they're on to him a little. I think bit. if Louise has some of the games that McGinn has, I think Louise will get more stick. That's just my opinion. I've, I've said this before. I love McGinn. I have such a high standard for him in my head that if he doesn't meet those standards, I'll come away disappointed. And I, maybe I set them a, a little bit too high, but I do believe that he's he's such a good player. Again, like he started off and I'm like, yes, here we go. John McGinn, and then he, he, he fires. And I'm watching Conor Gallagher play for Crystal Palace. I, I don't actually think a lot of it's McGinn's fault. I think it's the way the team's set up. Sometimes it doesn't suit him. I'm watching the way he's hustling and bustling and getting around the pitch, and that's McGinn's game. But for whatever reason this season... 
that McGinn we don't see, and I do think it's a lot to do with the setup of the central midfield for Villa. Yeah, possibly. I, as I say, I thought I thought he started the game well and then just went quiet. And he, Palace were just so structured, weren't they? They're really hard to break down. Thought they, you know, they set themselves up quite well. I was impressed with Palace. Yeah, they, 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 you know, it was like, it was almost like a Roy Hodgson set up side, wasn't it? You, you wouldn't have thought Patrick Vieira had set up that side because they were so disciplined, and you know, it just took a, a brilliant cross from Dina and, and some hard work from uh, Watkins to get in front of Gay here uh, and score. You know, Gay will be will be really disappointed the fact that he was, you know, back back to Watkins. And and that gave Watkins the advantage. But other than that, I thought they set themselves up really well and it was a good away performance from them. Yeah, got dangerous players in the attacking positions and Conor Gallagher floating around behind them. But I would say that, that you know, the Koyate and Milivojevic, that's a bang average Premier League midfield. But they've just got size about them and to be honest, they put Coutinho out of the game. Yeah, Coutinho just had to drop so deep into the game to, tr- Too to, deep. to try and get on the ball. Um, you know, I presume it. Well, I f- forgot to ask about this actually after the game with, with Gerard, but I presume it was a tactic to try and open them up a little bit because um, the, the, you know they just weren't getting through. Louise and McGinn weren't able to thread any passes through to to, to get it going. So it felt like Coutinho with a bit of magic in his boots was trying to open things up, but even he couldn't really get it going, could he? He was he was just it was a very quiet game for him. Um, I think credit to credit to Palace to be fair, for, for keeping Villa quite in general. We did talk about pre-season earlier. One thing I'm hoping Gerard and Villa will work on in pre-season, speed in transition. Villa have this amazing ability to just slow down any potential counter-attack and just make nothing happen out of it. So slow sometimes to get the ball forward and get players up with each other. I just think in transition, Villa are really poor. I think Martinez, when he when he collects the ball and kicks it long to Watkins, I think that often works. Watkins typically tends to either win the ball or, or win a throw-in. Or, um, I think that works well. And obviously he sets the real tempo up there, doesn't he, Watkins? Perhaps needs a little bit more around him. Cash is good going forward, I think, as well. But, yeah, I do agree with you. Look at the players, though. Villa should be good in transition. I think there's all round a, a lack of pace a little bit in the Villa side. Not the quickest team in the world, generally. Yeah. I think why Ramsey can carry the ball. I just think sometimes in transition, we're really slow. I think if you've got, I mean, look, Leon Bailey's got to feature at some point when he gets back, you know, next season. He's he's got to have a run of games to to see what he can do, and he will offer that that difference. And, and I think that's what Gerard wanted from him when he was played in the last couple of weeks, wasn't it? He's a good player, Bailey. I'm really disappointed with how it's gone so far. It's I don't been think a waste injuries season, have just absolutely it? killed yeah, him. It's, it's been he's yeah. such a good footballer. Yeah. It's been it's been a wasted season when you look at you know, you look at Birch and Traore, you look at Sanson, you look at Baylor, three players who who've just done nothing in the season really, have they? It's three you know, three it's a wasted season for all three. Seventy five million in by my quick maths. Yeah, it's, talent. it's disappointing, you know, it really is. Um and you think of the difference if you know, if all those if two of those three players are performing, Villa finish in the top eight. But Look, these are the differences. We spoke time after time, haven't we, about Bailey? It's been really disappointing for him. I do feel, I do feel a bit sorry for him because he's just had so many injuries. But unfortunately, when he's had his chance, he hasn't really taken it either. Mm-hmm. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And Greg, it was the Player Awards last week. I was there. Great evening. Obviously, everyone was buzzing when Coutinho was announced by Christian Perslow. Although, when he was doing his delivery, I felt like he was going to give some bad news the way the way he was leading up to it. So, it was a nice surprise for me when Philip Coutinho came up on the stage and was uh, announced as an Aston Villa player on a permanent basis. Anything you disagreed with in, in the awards? So, it was Player of the Year, Matty Cash. Young Player, Ramsey. Players, Player, Ramsey. And goal of the season, Ings, which we've already both just said we we thought it should have been Chambers. Was there anything else you disagreed with? There? No, no, I, I agree with them all, and, and I can totally understand why Ings got the goal of the season as well. I just think personal preference. I, I liked Chambers is a little bit more, um, but but no, I agree with them all. Great moment for the Cash family as well. Did you go out and celebrate with them? <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> Not quite that well, close. I thought, bit, <laughs> I thought you might be at the player award. Obviously, you. No, I had the week there. off. Did not. So I just I wanted um, yeah, just to switch away. off and. It was nice actually to just, to, you know, it's very, very rare in this job that you can have four or five days off and just turn the phone off and, and, and try and try and relax. But it, it does help you unwind and you need it because there's a busy period coming for me. I've, I've had three games in a week. I've got the Nations League coming up, so it doesn't stop for reporters. <laughs> I was say, I'm, I'm at an event at Villa Park next week as well, midwork. I feel like I live at Villa Park. At the moment, it's great. There's worse places for me to live for, for absolute sure, but I feel like I'm never away from, from Villa Park at the moment. Obviously, back again tomorrow night for, for the Burnley game. For Aston Villa women, Hannah Hampton and Jill Scott have been named in the provisional England squad. And if you've been looking at Aston Villa TV's Lone Watch series, Louis Barry is the latest to feature on there. I've not watched it myself yet, but I will be sure to check it out after this podcast. Last night, of course, was the playoff semi-final second leg between Nottingham Forest and Sheffield United. Two Villa lone players involved. Connor Harahan, unfortunately, missing in the penalty shootout. A shame for him, really, isn't it, Greg? Because he spoke in depth about how proud he was of scoring in the shootout for Villa against West Brom. It wasn't a great penalty last night. Quite a weird penalty for him, I thought. I felt for him last night because I know the, I know the level of dedication that he puts into preparation and, 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 and he did well when he came on in the second half of extra time as well he offered them something yeah I thought <laughs> I just expected him to come and get a goal and, and get the get the deciding goal because he's, he's, he's done that so often in games over the years um, but yeah I, I felt a bit sorry for him because I, I know that he practices like his routines at, at, from set pieces uh, penalties and, and free kicks religiously um, I, know, I know that he works with a, a performance psychologist as well so he would have been 
going over all the things that he's practiced and you know those are the times where they really where it really needs to come together for players in the real heat of the moment the real high pressure moments um and unfortunately he just didn't he didn't didn't execute it on at, at the time and as you say Dan very unlike very unlike him because he usually comes up with the goods doesn't he yeah Keenan Davis came on as a substitute for Forrest he's, he's returning from a bad injury so that's why he's not starting at the moment but he was a handful again. He he was everywhere to be honest in extra time, wasn't he? I mean, I was I was ri- didn't want a penalty though, Keenan. Didn't, <laughs> <fancy the pens. laughs> didn't fancy a penalty, did he? I watched his uh, I watched his live stream from the dressing room actually on on Instagram after after the game. He was he was really pumped up, um, you know, absolutely fully bought bought into the whole Nottingham Forest move that, that that he's made. And look, I think if if Forest get promoted, that they'll certainly be in the market to to try and sign him permanently, I think. And that's been a good loan deal for all concerned, really, hasn't yeah. it? Because it's shown that Keenan Davis with the running games can be a handful at, at that level. If they go up, which I think they will now, they, mm. they do seem to have the momentum a little bit like when, when Villa went up. Villa will probably get a good fee for him that, that, that they would have got. A bit like when Tyro Mings went on loan to, to Villa and then when Villa wanted to buy him, suddenly the fee was quite inflated. I think Villa... We'll probably get between ten and fifteen million for Kane, and that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he looks he looks like a fifteen million pound player to me. Um, yeah, at least almost. I I really try not to get too carried away with him because um, it's it was only, you know it's only in the championship. But the times I've watched him, he's been a real, real, real. Been, handful. I've watched a lot of Forest. He's been good. He's like he's going past players like like Coutinho does. I mean, he just gets the ball and. You know, flies forward, goes past, goes past loads of players. They just bounce off him. I suppose the only thing that we we, we didn't really know about Keenan was whether he could go in, get a run of goals, and 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 he has shown that this season. So I'm excited for his future. I think if Villa do decide to move him on, probably be the right time. You know, get a bit of money in the bank for him. He needs it, and, and he needs it as a player as well. But oh, I'm I'm excited for him. If he stays fit, I think he could be a really good player for every booster. Yeah. And whilst we're talking about Aston Villa loan players, Matt Target finished the home season for Newcastle on Monday and in an interview afterwards he said, everyone knows what I want, continuing to endear himself to the, the Villa fire for Matty Target. He'll go as well, won't he? Um, I hope so for his for his point of view. So I, th- I think he's I think he deserves to go up there and, and and be a regular fixture and be a regular part of it. I hope Newcastle don't get too carried away and think that they can go and get somebody much better than him, um, because Newcastle have signed you know good quality Premier League players and um, you know Target is one of those. He's he's a he's in the top what two hundred and fifty players in the country and um, you know he's not a superstar but he but he's a very very solid performer and I think he's gone in there helped them keep a lot of clean sheets helped them win six out of seven home games in a row um, they're good they're good to watch Newcastle they're good fun um, mm. and, and well, I'd, I'll, I'll, I just hope they don't get too carried away and think that they can you know go and get better players in him because they do need to keep that balance and, and I think Target deserves to, to have a shout next season they'll be disappointed with some of the stuff he said from a Villa fan perspective but it is what it is just before we go, don't forget it's just £1 a month at the moment for your first six months of The Athletic when you sign up at theathletic.com slash villapod. Thanks ever so much to Greg and thanks to everyone for listening as well. Do get involved in the comments and wherever you get your podcast, please leave us a review as well. We will be back next week. Obviously, there's Burnley and then Manchester City to come for Villa. Some serious jeopardy at the top and the bottom end of the table. And good to see Villa involved with nothing riding on it for them. So I don't have to worry at all. Like I say, we'll be back next week. 
Enjoy Thursday night at Villa Park and Sunday at City if you are going and as always, up the Villa. Athletic.